God bless. Welcome to a new episode of this uh, podcast, Doorway to Heaven, Season 3. Amen? I don't know why I sound like less, less excited, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I feel like, I feel like I'm more uh, motivated, you know, in the past episodes. I'm like, hey, God bless. Welcome to the podcast. You know, a new episode, Doorway to Heaven. See, this, this, this is the energy I need, you know, every single episode. To be saying, you know, God bless. Amen? So, today, the new, uh, the title of this episode, amen, we're still doing the series of the armor of God, amen, is the gospel boots, amen, and once again, we have our co-host, uh, our brother Ulysses, amen. Yes, hello to everyone, of course, and thank you for jumping on as we continue with our our series on the armor of God, and so... Uh, being on part four, this is the third piece of the armor, and we're titling it, yeah, the gospel boots, it's the, the shoes or sandals, whatever you want to call it. And so to start off, we know that in our culture, uh, shoes are a fashion statement. I mean, shoes, they're no longer like in the past, they're, they're no longer about comfort, or they're no longer just to cover up our feet. Um, now it's about brand. It's about appearances. Uh, it's about how they look, what name is on them, right? People, there are people who are super obsessed and super careful with their shoes, right? So there's people who spend hundreds of dollars on shoes, you know, getting the right brands, the newest brands. The I don't know if Yeezys are still a thing, you know, like, you know, everybody wants the newest shoe. And for me, that's just not how it works. I mean, my shoes get so torn up. I don't know what I do with my feet that like my shoes just end up trash within a few months. So like, I don't try to do that, but also white shoes. Uh, I, I can't do with white shoes because they get dirty so fast. So it's hard for me to have those because I hate seeing them all dirty and stained. But, you know, there's people who are very careful about that they'll wash their white shoes like after every time they wear them out they'll scrub them down or do whatever right but in ancient times it wasn't like that you know most people back then didn't have shoes you know they didn't walk around with shoes on they they went around barefoot and a lot in parts of the world now that's what you see also and you know um because because of this because there were not shoes like there are today Travel was slow. It was hard. It was difficult, especially in the desert on rough terrain with rocks and thorns and all this. It was it was hard, and so this meant that only people uh, that were wealthy had shoes. And outside of wealthy people, the only other group of people that had shoes were soldiers who were in the military, and what are called couriers or messengers, like mailmen, right or people who took messages from one place to another as these people who made a living off of traveling and they had to travel far and they had to travel fast. So it doesn't take a lot to learn the lesson about proper footwear, right? I think we all probably have experienced something along the lines of wearing the wrong kind of shoe. Uh, you know, if you think about like, if you try to run a marathon or a 5k or 10k, try to do that in dress shoes, if you can even do that, your feet are going to hurt a lot afterwards. If you try going for a hike in flip-flops, it's probably not going to work out too good for you. If you try playing playing basketball in soccer shoes and cleats, 
and it's probably not going to go well if you try playing uh, soccer and basketball shoes. It's probably going to be hard to run on that surface, right? And all of these you won't be able to do very well if you're not properly prepared. Ruben, we were just kind of talking. I think you might have something to add. It turns out you, you, you'd like to take care of your shoes. Uh, well, I mean, uh, talking about, you know, having like the wrong uh, footwear, you know, uh, in middle school, you know, there, there, was, there was like a... a, a uh, an era where uh, I became like a cowboy Ruben, you know, like, like a, a cowboy person, you know. And uh, yeah, I had my boots, you know, I had my cowboy boots. I had, no, they were like crocodile boots, you know. You know, I don't know if you know what they are. You know, they're like boots with crocodile skin, which they look really, really nice. And, you know, I was in the school, you know, and, I, and like, it was cool, you know. Like, 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 I, would walk in, I, was, like I would walk in the hallway and the only, the only thing you would hear is, just, you could just hear like like the heels of, of, of my boots, you know, just, you know, hitting the ground, you know, and, you know, it, it just felt, you know, like, like a sense of like, I don't know, power, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but, you know, it, they, they just felt cool. They sounded cool, you know, and, and then, yeah, but uh, there was this one time where uh, I ran with the, uh, with the boots and I tripped. I was like, uh, you know, and. Yeah, it was quite embarrassing, you know, because, like, people were there, too, you know, and I was, like, I just got up, you know, and I just kept going. But still, I'm, like, uh, wrong footwear, you know. But, yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, and, yeah, you know, the, uh, you know, me, myself, you know, I'm not, like, uh, like, I buy, I do have, like, some pairs, you know, but, you know, and... Yeah, I, I, like, I, I want to say this like in the, in the most like humble way, you know, where like I'm just like, or like in a way that where it doesn't look, make me look bad, you know, <laughs> where I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I buy a lot of shoes, you know, uh, I do have, yeah, a few, uh, quite, uh, quite a few pairs, you know, but yeah, white shoes, you know, white shoes are like, uh, yeah, they get stained easily, you know, uh, like I would say like when I got them and I was like thinking, thinking like real care of them, I'd be like, yeah, let me just make sure that I don't step on anything, you know, or like, nobody steps me, you know, because like, there's people that like you know that that will like step on you and accident, you know, and I just I just be careful of that, you know. And then like uh, the first time I seen my my white shoes, it was like I was at the store, and uh, the cart my mom moved the my mom moved the cart, and the wheel of the cart uh, hit my shoe, and that's how I got stayed. I was like, mom, you know, you, uh, my shoes, my, my white shoes, you know, I'm gonna have to go get new ones, you know. So <laughs> yeah, pretty funny. So back to you. Yeah, no, that happens, and that's why. Yeah, my one pair of white shoes. I try to take care of them, but it is not easy. And so what we see here is the Apostle Paul doesn't want us to find ourselves in that situation as Christians of being unprepared. He wants us to be prepared for the the rough and the, the tough trails that we have to walk through in our lives. In Ephesians six fifteen, he says, "And as shoes for your feet." having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So if you're going to be part of the battle, if you're going to be part of the conflict, part of the fight, you can't afford to try uh, trying to fight barefoot. You can't afford to try to fight without the proper footwear. You need the correct footwear. And this is why Roman soldiers weren't just given like really nice sandals to put on. They were actually given what would be considered boots today, right? There were these these sandals that were the 
was strapped on really well on the bottom of the sandal. There was actually these studs, these metal studs that were put on the bottom to be able to make sure they had a better grip on different terrain. However, we know that the picture that Paul is painting here isn't based on a Roman soldier that he was probably familiar with because he was a Roman citizen. It is actually, again, being pulled from the Old Testament. So in Isaiah 52, 7, it says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. So this is the only other passage in the Bible where feet, good news, and peace all happen at the same time. And they're all kind of connected. It's the only other time in the Bible you find that. So the Old Testament background is really important because it clarifies what part of what Paul is saying, um, or it clarifies a part of what Paul is saying that isn't very clear. So Paul is talking about readiness, right? About being ready, about being prepared. But we have to ask, oh, okay, so is he talking about readiness given by the gospel of peace or readiness being prepared and ready to spread the good news that brings peace. So a lot of Bible translations and a lot of Bible commentaries uh, will say the first thing there, that we need to have the readiness, the preparedness, the, uh, you know, we need to be ready to have that readiness given to us by the gospel of peace. And that makes sense contextually, and it makes sense grammatically how it's written, but it still isn't clear what we are ready for. So Paul is making a connection to Isaiah 52. We've seen this in all of these verses, right? In all of the pieces of armor. So he's making this connection to Isaiah 52. And if he's making this connection, then the readiness he's talking about, his readiness to share the good news as messengers of the gospel. Of course, we first need to hear the good news before we can be called to share it with others, right? So messengers need good shoes to have the ability to travel far and fast to bring the message to those wanting to hear the good news. So Isaiah paints this picture uh, for us uh, of, of these watchmen that are shouting for joy on the walls of Jerusalem. So these watchmen, their job was they had to just stare out into nothing, into the fields, into the land, into the hills. They had to stare out they, for a long time. They had to be carefully just paying attention, always on alert. They had, always were straining their eye, making sure, watching out that the enemy and an enemy army wasn't on the way, right? They were always on edge. They were always ready, you know, adrenaline always rushing. And these watchmen now become messengers, declaring the good news of salvation to the people of Zion. So Paul is applying the same idea to our privilege to share the gospel. Get that right. This is our privilege now yeah, to share the gospel of peace with believers and with unbelievers alike. So what I mean by that is when we get together with other Christians, the gospel is still a beautiful thing to talk about. It's still a beautiful thing to talk about Jesus, who he is, the Son of God, him coming to die for our sins, him resurrecting on the third day, and the implications of that. And the unbelievers need to hear that also. 
So he makes the same connection with both prophets Joel and Isaiah. In Romans 10, 13 to 15, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So notice how different these verses present the task of evangelism compared to how we often picture it, right? A lot of the time, we like to think of evangelism as like some spiritual marketing. It's like a spiritual marketing program. We think our job as Christians is to force people to buy something that they never needed or wanted. And then we have to like recruit them. Now that they're, we reach them and they're safe, now it's their turn to go do the same thing to their friends, right? And we think about it like this. And so when we think about it like this, no one is going to be excited about evangelism, if that's what evangelism is. But messengers are very different from salespeople, right? Messengers don't have a product that needs marketing, that needs advertising. They have good news that needs to be shared. So people may or may not choose to listen to the news, to the announcement that we have. Our task as children of God is to proclaim the good news, to speak the good news of God's peace to a broken and oppressed soul. And wherever and whenever we encounter those people. Do you have anything to add, Ruben? Well, you know, like you said, you know, uh, yeah, so we have to, you know, go preach the gospel, you know, have the right footwear, you know, don't, don't go to Walmart and get like the, the shack, <laughs> uh, shoes, you know, uh, get the, get the Timberland, Timberland, uh, shoes, you know, I'm just joking, but, you know, uh, I want to do like a little comment over here about, uh, Romans chapter, uh, 10, verse, uh, 13 or 15, you know, uh, the first time I, I heard, uh, you know, did this, uh, these verses, you know, uh, it was, you know, before I could read, uh, when I, when I listened to, uh, Marcos Witt, I don't know if you, uh, any of you, uh, listeners know who Marcos Witt is, but, uh, he has a song, right, uh, called Enciende Una Luz, which in, which in English means, uh, turn on a light, amen, turn on, uh, or a candle, or, you know, turn on, you know, a light, amen, and it's, it's, it's incredible, you know, this song, you know, it talks, it just talks about you spreading the good news to everybody else, you know, to people, to people that don't know about Christ, or people that, uh, don't know Christ, or don't have Christ in their heart, you know, just turn on that light, be that light to them, you know, and it's, it's just impressive, you know, and I, and just, I, I just love that song, it's, it's, it's a great song, you know, uh, I remember that recently, you know, uh, back in February, was it? I think, yeah, it was back, yeah. No, no, it wasn't. I think it was March, you know, yeah. No, yeah, it was March. Now that I think about it, yeah, it was March. And uh, I did like a little drama about it, you know, and it was pretty cool, this this, this drama that I did, you know, uh, at church. It was basically just like, we we were reading the verse, right? We were being a... Uh, so- 
sorry, I'm just going to add, if there's anyone listening who doesn't know what that is, it's like a skit, like a play, right, yeah. along to the song. Yeah. Yeah, sorry for, for not explaining, you know, uh, but yeah, you know, yeah, so I was in like this skit, you know, uh, in, in a church, and it, it was a pretty interesting story that I did, you know, uh, actually I had a different story to... Uh, to put uh to make it to do that day, but uh for some reasons that I I can't uh explain, uh I I couldn't uh do that uh skit. I had to rewrite my and then have a new uh script, a new uh a new skit, you know. But anyways, but anyways, uh, either way, the skit that I made, you know, it's pretty good, you know. Uh, thank God that you know I, uh, he he gives me knowledge to you know. Write a script, you know. I have, I have, I'm, I'm very creative. That's one thing, you know. That, that I'm, I'm very proud of, you know. That I, I'm pretty creative, you know. I, I know how to tell a story, you know. And I, I feel like, like, feel like that's like something that is kind of bad too, you know, because that means that I have high uh, criticism on other, like other stuff, you know. Like, like I said before, you know, I don't know if I said it on this podcast or if I said it off, off the mic, but I said that some Christian movies, you know, and. I hope you guys don't, don't come in and hate on me for saying this, you know, or rebuke me, be like, I rebuke you, you know, but uh, for some Christian movies, you know, I feel like they are something's boring, you know, they are some, some they are something, something's boring because why? Because they either have a bad story or they have, you know, uh, bad acting, which, you know, it's two things that I just hate, you know, and I just, I can't go through a whole, through a whole movie, I can't watch a whole movie with uh, one, one or the other, you know, like, if it has bad acting, I'm not going to watch it. If it has bad storyline, bad script, then I'm not going to watch it. Obviously, there are some good movies that I do recommend you to go watch. Uh, War Room, uh, Courageous, you know, uh, Fireproof. That's a, that's a really good movie that you should go, you should go watch. But anyways, going back to, to my skit, you know. Uh, so basically, uh, we read the, uh, a verse from Matthew, amen, saying that we are the light, amen. I think it's Matthew chapter 5. If I'm not wrong, amen. And after he, after uh, someone read it, you know, on on the microphone, so they could hear it on the speakers. Uh, the song started playing, you know, and he started singing the song. So I came here with my my candle, you know, with uh, with my light, you know, and the people in the skit they were actually frozen, you know, and once I I touched them and 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 showed them my, my Bible, they were like they were unfreeze. And one of the cool ideas that I had, like, uh, uh, like on on the, on the like when we practiced, because like the whole thing was just, was gonna be like me touching them and unfreezing them, you know, and unfreeze them, and showing them the Bible, and then they have to turn on the light too, you know. But one of, one of my ideas that I also had, I'm like, what if we had some of the actors blend in with the audience, you know? So like we could actually go towards the audience and and un and like unfreeze, you know, some of the some of the like. The actors are, are blended in with the audience, and it was pretty cool, you know, because like after that, you know, after the play, you know, uh, the pastor actually got up, you know, and, and he was like, you know what, let's, let's sing the song again, you know, and I want every single person from in the, in the church to get your phone, you know, and, and turn the flashlight on, and we're going to sing the song together, and it, it, was, it, was, it was a great, uh, great time, you know, uh, that day, you know, so it, it was pretty cool, amen, Brother Releases? Back to you. Yeah, so as I was saying, so the task of being a messenger 
uh, is first, it's two parts. Uh, it's to get the message right and to get the message out. So starting with the first, we need to get the message right. So in the context or in the time of Isaiah, the good news of peace uh, that we have been given to share can be broken down into three statements. Uh, God reigns is number one. Two is he has redeemed Jerusalem and comforted his people. And three is the whole earth will see the salvation of God. And our, our message is basically the same. First, we have to announce to the people that our God, Yahweh, the God of the Bible, reigns. In the context and time of Isaiah, this, is, uh, this was a really much-needed reminder because they had been taken over by Babylon. They were enslaved and they were in their culture, uh, drowning in their culture, in, 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 um, trying to remember the word here, but engulfed in their culture, right? So they needed to be reminded that the idols of the Babylonians who had conquered them did not reign. So you had a god like Marduk, and he was the chief god of the Babylonians. They had to be reminded that that god was empty. They had Nebo, it was the Babylonian god of wisdom and writing, and he was responsible for the harvest. We have to be reminded that he had no power to bless or curse. Today, in our culture and in our time, I think this is still good news, that our God reigns. See, we may not worship these ancient gods like the Babylonian gods, but we still give power to bless or to curse to a lot of other things in this world. We look at things like beauty and make it our God. We just want to have that, attain that. And if we don't, then we feel blessed. Or if we don't have it, we feel cursed. And if we do have it, we feel blessed. We look at success and we worship it. We give money the ability to declare us valuable. If I have money, then it's good. If I don't, then it's bad. We give power to broken relationships to make us feel like failures, right? And we take all of these things and we make them our idols and we say to them, so long as I have you, I have meaning, I have significance in my life, and if I lose you, I lose everything. So let me tell you, none of these things, not money, beauty, authority, power, success, relationships, none of that has any real power over us. They are just as empty as the idols the Babylonians had, and yet we have people uh, all around us that treat them as if they have this huge significance. Because of this, we all live as slaves to our idols. We make these endless sacrifices to them, right? Time after time, every time they demand it, we sacrifice. We'll sacrifice our time to work more, to have more money. We'll sacrifice our money to buy the newest things that will make us feel more attractive, right? Uh, and so our false gods are mean, and our false guard, our false gods are a heavy burden. Yet, um, and yes, like some of us are going to be rewarded. You work hard enough, you're going to be successful. You're going to have the power or authority or the money that you're looking for. We may achieve some success. We may get some money. We may get some good relationships that make us feel good about ourselves. But even then, it just traps us into wanting more. Somebody who's always after money, they get some, they're not going to be content. They're going to want more. 
because we've tasted how good it is and now we need to go after more. And others never get what they're chasing after and they're made to feel useless, they're made to feel worthless because they continue to fail and they never succeed and they never get what they want. Do you have anything to add? I mean, this is like addictive, right? It's like almost like an addiction that they have, you know, where people were actually, uh, well, I mean, I understand like it was a necessity, you know, where people work uh, two jobs, you know, but there's some people that actually try to work two jobs just to like, like, oh, I want to I get, you know, more money, you know, I want to get more rich, you know, and there's, there's people, you know, and, and, and listen to this, just listen to this, you know, there's people that call themselves Christian, amen? They call themselves Christian, and they will actually miss church just to go to like the two jobs, or they'll have two jobs and they'll be like, "Oh, I'm too tired to uh, go uh, to go to church." You know, like I understand, like like if if it's a day that that you actually work, you know, and and you have to to rest, you know, because I mean, you also have to work, you know. Uh, money 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 does not grow on trees, <laughs> you know. You have to work, you know. You have to bring the the food to the table, you know, to your family. If you're if you're already married, or even for yourself, you know. I mean, if you live by yourself, you know, you gotta get the food, you know. You gotta, you gotta get monies for uh, to get food to pay the rent, you know. You know, so yeah, it's, it's, it's understandable, you know. But you know, me myself, you know, I, I, I mean, probably I'll change in the future, you know. But uh, me myself, I I uh, I only work in my. Uh, the availability form that I've I've written up, uh, I put that uh, the days that you know that I uh, have church, right? Uh, I don't have it off, but like I'll have it like I I only have I only work from this to this hours, you know. I don't want to work past this hour because I have to go to church, or even even on Saturdays, you know. Saturdays is a day that I just have the day off because I'm like. It's a Sabbath, you know. It's a Sabbath, and and I have to keep the Sabbath, you know. <laughs> you know that that's my excuse to, to have the weekend off, you know, to have the day off, you know, for Saturday. No, I'm joking, but yeah, I I do have the Sabbath, you know. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to have, I don't work, I don't want to work on on Saturday, you know. So I just have the Saturday off, and yeah, you know, those, those like little sacrifices that you gotta do, you know, to go and, and seek God, you know, because also like uh. I said, you know, don't work two jobs and be like, oh yeah, I, I'm, I'm chasing the, the green, you know, the, the money. You know, it's just addictive and... Yeah, people think that, that with, with power and, and authority or success, you know, they'll actually be... They'll actually find value in themselves. It's almost like... Uh, and then when, when you achieve it, like, what did it cost you? You know, I was I was I was watching this movie called. Uh, it's also on Disney Plus. If you want to go watch it, it's called The Greatest Showman with uh, Hugh Jackman. I don't know if you guys know who that is, but in this movie, right, it's this guy that made a circus, right? And he started the circus. He started it to have a good life for his family, for for his uh, wife and daughters. You know, and then like halfway through the movie, you know, he's just doing it for himself. You know, he's just. He only cares about himself, and he's like, yeah, you know, I'm having this, this success, and and this and that, you know. And then at the end of the movie, he realizes he's like, what am I doing? You know, like I've been doing this, like this whole thing that I've been doing, it, it was for my family, not for myself. But somewhere along the way, 
I started, started doing it for myself. You know, so it's almost like oh, it's almost like vengeance. You know, like when you feel have this feel of vengeance. You know, once you uh, have your revenge, you know, you still have like some emptiness inside you. You are you like. Well, you just you just don't you just don't you just don't feel satisfied about what you did. You know, back to you, brother Elisus. No, I agree. I think that my question for everyone today would be: What are your idols? What are the idols in your life? Um, there, there's what are the things that we tend to draw or attach our value to? And so, for me personally, if I'm honest. Um, relationships, I seem to have that sometimes. And um, an example that I give is uh, several months ago, um, uh, I was talking to my pastors and they were telling me about how a friend of mine, I didn't know, um, but because he's in a different state, but um, his his dad is a pastor also. So when the pastors were getting together, um, they were telling me that he apparently had gotten really sick and had to go into the hospital and was in the hospital for a while. And, and they told me, you know, uh, I guess he, he likes it when people reach out to him. So, so you should message him. And I hadn't talked to him in a, in a while because we don't see each other that often, but we do talk. And, and, and I did send them a message, but they, you know, when you send a message through Facebook, you can see that they read it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you read it, but never responded. And all it was was, hey, I heard you weren't doing so well. I hope things are going all right. I'm praying for you. Let me know. You know, there was there was no response. And if I'm totally honest, that that affects me at a, at a deeper level. Maybe it's just my insecurity. Probably is. The point being is that these idols give us you know, are what determine whether we feel good about ourselves or not. Because knowing that there was never a response, even to this day, you know, uh, well, for whatever reason, maybe there's a justifiable reason, but point is that it's my internal issue of making relationships with people whether they are kind to me or not whether they're friendly to me or not making me feel like i'm worthy or unworthy that creates that relationship any relationship as my idol so your idol is what begins to declare you're a loser or nobody you know cares about you uh, nobody thinks you know so uh, you're not important enough, you're not good enough. And so that's what we need to be asking ourselves is what in our lives decides that? What in our lives uh, makes us feel good or makes us feel bad when we have it or don't have it? And other people might have different idols or you may respond to the same idol differently, right? So maybe you respond to something with, uh, with anger. Something happens, you get angry and you begin to take it out on the people around you. Or you get stuck uh, and you go back to addictive behaviors, right? Your idol makes you feel down, makes you feel uh, worthless or, or bad. So you indulge and you overeat. And all of a sudden you're eating constantly. Or maybe you're the opposite. And and when something bad happens and you feel bad, you stop eating at all, like completely. Or maybe you go to alcohol or drugs or whatever it is, right? And it could even be a positive thing. There are people I know who, when they're super stressed out because of things, they start to exercise or they start to clean compulsively, right? Anything to try to just escape the bad feeling uh, that is brought by the idols and those curses. So as Christians, 
we have good news for a world that is enslaved to these idols. The gospel gives us peace because it declares us free from these false gods. So they don't reign, uh, God reigns. These idols don't truly reign, God reigns. It's what he says about us that matters. If God declares that we are cursed, then there is nothing that can save you. If God says you're cursed, there is nothing that's going to be able to save you. But if God says that you are blessed, then you can take it to the bank. You That is guaranteed because you are most certainly blessed. And in Ephesians 1, God tells us that his people are blessed with every spiritual blessing. And so if Jesus lives in you, then the Father is smiling down upon you and his favor is over you. There is a blessing over you that you cannot lose. That reality has peace-giving power. Anyone who believes in Jesus is uh, is in the Father's hand. And nothing and no one can take you out of his hand. Money can't give you peace. Success can't give you peace. Power can't give you peace. Good health can't give you peace. Good relationships can't give you peace because they don't reign. They can easily be lost. But God reigns. When we understand this, then we will understand that whatever you have, uh, uh, that, that whatever you have, all of those things, uh, whatever good things you have, they are a blessing. They are a good gift from our Father. And whatever you don't have, things that when you don't have these different things, it's because there's a loving Father who knows that it would be better for you not to have them at this time. So these things are not your identity. We can't make our identity around these these idols and these things. Your value is not found in your money or in your success or in your health or in your looks or in your relationships or anything else. If you were to lose all of those things, you would still have the one thing that is really important if you have Jesus. This means you have the freedom to enjoy however much of these things God gives you, but you also have the freedom to live at peace without them because you know they don't define you or give you your value. They are not your peace. Do you have anything to add, Ruben? I actually have a few stuff to add to this. You know, you know when we talk about peace, you know, we don't mean that you won't have any struggles, that you won't have any storms you know, in your life. It just guarantees you that you have peace in the storm. And I feel like that's one of the one of the mistakes that us as Christians we make. That just because we have God in our life, we believe that we won't go through a storm, you know? We think that everything will be, you know, uh the color of pink, you know. I don't know if I don't know if that's, if that's, if that's a, a phrase in English, but in, in Spanish it's color de rosa. You know, and uh Yeah, like for example the the disciples, you know, they got really, really scared when they saw the big storm, you know. And they got scared because they didn't expect the storm, you know. They had Jesus here sleeping on the boat. Amen. They had him sleeping. And they were pretty confident. They were like, we're good, you know. We're not going to have a storm or anything, you know. And once the storm hits, you know, they're, they're getting scared. They're like, Jesus, wake up, you know, we're going to drown, you know, we're going to die here, we're going to perish. And uh, Jesus, he just commands, commands the storm to go away, and he says, you guys have a little faith, you know? 
just just like Peter, you know, he he was, you know, walking and I don't I don't know where he just drowned. You know, Jesus picked him up and he said, "You of little faith, what did you doubt?" You know, and yeah, being a, a life of Christianity, a life with God, you know, I, I can't guarantee you that you won't have any struggles. You know, on the other hand, you might have, you might, you know, have big struggles, you know, small struggles, you know, depending, you know, on, on how much you can take. Amen. But I guarantee you that if you seek God, you will have peace in the storm, in the struggle. And when I'm talking about idols, you know, and and, and this is one that, that it, might, it might be like a delicate topic. And probably that's, that's why you didn't include this on, 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 the, on the notes. But I really want to mention this. I, I want to mention this because uh, it, it is delicate and, and it's also something that you have to, to be aware about, you know. Are we actually loyal to God or are we loyal to our church and our pastor? And I, I, saw, I saw this video you know, on Instagram yesterday, which uh, these notes made me think about, you know. Where it said that, who are we loyal to? Like, our loyalty is it to God or is it to our church and pastor? And he said, if, if you're told that your pastor is wrong, that your church is wrong because they say this, because they preach that and this and that, you know, if your answer is other than opening your Bible and saying, let's see what the Bible tells us, then that means that <laughs> sadly you are loyal to your pastor and you're loyal to your church. And in some way that could be an idol that you could have or being loyal to, you know, Somebody more than God, you know. Obviously, you know. I mean, if if people like miss church, you know, to have like a family gathering, which I do, you know, I'm like, I'm not against that, you know. I mean, some people will be against that, you know. Be like, like no, 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 you, you you gotta go to church this day, and it doesn't matter if you have family over, you know, you can't miss church. You know, I'm not like that strict per of a person, you know. I don't know if you are, Brother Lisa, so if you're like, oh no, you, you gotta go to church, you know. Uh, I had this, uh, over there in Iowa, you know, uh, I had this pastor, you know, and, and God bless him, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna say anything, like, I'm not gonna hate on him, you know. He has his own views, you know, but uh, he uh, didn't, he said that we, we couldn't talk to any of our family that weren't Christian. Like, I had this uh, cousin over there in Iowa, and her uh, her kids, which are my nephews, basically, like we're, like, we're really close, you know? And, yeah, he was, he was, like, he was like, yeah, you, you can't go and you can't talk to any of your, of your uh, family if they're not Christian. And I'm like, where's the love of Christ in that scenario, you know? Where's the love of, of God? In that scenario, where where you, and that that's one of the things about you know, seeing yourself probably as as the only person that is right in this scenario. If you if you truly believe that you're the only person that is right in the whole world, then let me tell you that you are <laughs> you're wrong. You know you are. If you start seeing every single little like every single little uh, defect on every single person. If you're like, oh, this person is wrong because he does this. Oh, this person is wrong because he does that, you know. Oh, this, this person is wrong because he, he celebrates Christmas. Or because, oh, this guy is wrong because he celebrates, he celebrates Thanksgiving. And you just start pulling out, like, 
every single wrong thing about every single person being like, oh, this guy's wrong, that guy's wrong, you're wrong, you're going to hell, you're going to go to hell, you know. If you start saying that, then you're going to end up where you're just going to be like, oh, I'm the only one who's right, you know. I'm the only one who, who actually has the right perspective of the Bible and the only one that's going to be saved. And which is really, really wrong because God did not just die. I mean, God did not just send his, his only son to go and just save you individually. Be like, okay, Jesus, Jesus is going to go down to earth and you're going to die just for our brother Ulysses, okay? Or, or, just, for your, or, or, or just for my son, Ruben, the podcaster, you know, <laughs> you know, you're gonna die only for him, okay? Just for him, nobody else, just for him. No, he died for every single person that decides to have Jesus in their heart, you know, and accept him as as their Christ and, and Savior, as the Lord and Savior, amen? Accept Christ as the Lord and Savior, amen? Brothers, uh, what he says, back to you. I definitely agree. I think you made some interesting points there, and um, I just I think we need to clarify something. I mean, I don't think Reuben is advocating for anybody to start putting like their pastor or their leader or their church on blast. I think Reuben is making a, a point here and highlighting that we are all responsible for knowing our Bible. We are all responsible for knowing what God is saying, and we so when when a pastor or when a leader who are imperfect, okay, speaking, you know, from experience, <laughs> you know, we can't, we can't just assume that, oh, because he's a pastor, he's, he's got it all together. That's, that's I don't think any of us should believe that. Um, but so, so that when we hear an incorrect message being preached from a pulpit, we're able to say, well, no, I'm not going to take that because that's not what I'm reading in my Bible. So, we need to have a relationship with God, our own convictions with God, and understand His Word, study His Word, uh, and so, so we just we need to have a clear picture of that. And I agree, and I have met several people who think along the same way uh, of like, oh, you're not supposed to interact with anybody who's not Christian. You don't talk to them, no matter if they're family, if they're old friends. My my concern with that, like we're talking about today, is if us as Christians aren't supposed to interact with non-Christians, how are they ever going to learn about Jesus? Right? So that's what kind of today is. So the second part of this message um, that we're supposed to be announcing, right? So us as messengers are supposed to be going out there and giving this message. The second part is that the Lord, first is God has reigned. Second is that the Lord has redeemed Jerusalem and comforted his people. So this is talking about the amazing grace that comes to us from the gospel. So the gospel message isn't, is not, okay? The gospel message is not that God loves good people. That is not the message of the gospel. It's not that God loves good people, and if you get your act together and do all the right things, he'll love you too. That would not have been good news to the people of Isaiah's time that he was talking to early in the book of Isaiah, Jerusalem is being told that they are going to be punished because its leaders and its citizens were, were failing constantly. And these people had hard hearts. They had blind eyes and deaf ears. They continued to ignore all of the warnings that were being given by the prophet Isaiah uh, and through different prophets in the Old Testament. But Isaiah had already been told 
that people's hearts would be hard and that they would stay like that for gener- for an entire generation until the terrible judgment came upon them. So judgment is now is how Jerusalem should have ended. That is how it, this punishment is what that should have happened to Jerusalem. That is the story. That is where the story should have stopped. A city that it was left empty and abandoned without any survivors. But in the middle of all the judgment that was coming, and go back and read Isaiah, you will see like the judgment that he's proclaiming over the people. But in the middle of that judgment, God still gives and hints uh, about this hope that is coming. God says something is going to survive this destruction, this judgment. There's The tree will be cut down. The tree will be burned. But from the stump there, that's going to be left behind, something new is going to grow, is what he says in Isaiah 11.1. 1. And so after so many chapters of judgment and God's judgment, he sends out his messenger with this comforting word of peace. And even though Israel continues to sin over and over again, God will not let his people go. There is still hope for the people of Israel. So even more impressive is the messengers are told to declare the good news and not in that this good news isn't just for Israel. It was going to it wasn't going to be limited to only those who physically came from the line of Abraham, to only the Jewish people. Since Israel was going to receive a salvation that they didn't earn, it was a salvation coming directly from God's grace and God's mercy. It was going to be it's uh, or it would be a salvation not only for them but for their enemies also. So in Isaiah chapter 19, verses 23 to 25, it says this. It says, In that day there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria, and Assyria will come into Egypt, and Egypt into Assyria, and the Egyptians will worship with the Assyrians. In that day Israel will be the third with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the earth, whom the Lord of hosts has blessed, saying, Blessed be Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. So it's easy to miss the power that is in these verses. Because to us, in our modern culture and life, Egypt and Assyria are just these faraway places that we read about in the Bible or that we read about in history books during history class, right? Egypt and Assyria were countries that would brutally persecute God's people. And so this highway that God is talking about is saying there is going to be this connection between you three. He's telling them my salvation that is coming is going to not only be for you, but for you and the last person that you would expect to be saved, your enemies. It, it is this unusual transformation of rebellious people like Israel and spiritual weirdos like Egypt and Assyria who would worship all these weird and different gods, and he turns them into faithful friends of God and each other. That is what Jesus came to complete. He came to do what Israel could not do, what none of us could do, to keep all the law of God perfectly. And by doing that, he became the salvation of not only Israel, but of the entire world. And according to Paul in Ephesians 2, that is what Jesus came to do. 
to proclaim the good news of peace to both Jews and Gentiles and to make them one body in Christ through the Holy Spirit. Do you have anything to add there, Ruben? Well, I mean, I, wanna, I have a question, actually. Uh, for, I don't know if you want to answer it, you know, for the audience, of course, I mean, uh, obviously I know this, you know, obviously I know the answer to the, <laughs> obviously I know the answer to, to the question, you know, I'm just asking for the audience, amen, but, uh, for example, Paul, amen, we, we know that he got saved, I mean, but we, we know that he did some terrible stuff in, in the past, right, like he persecuted, uh, God's people, right, uh, the, the first church, he persecuted the first church, uh, in uh, in the, in, the, in the name of the law, right? He did this in the name of the law. Like he thought that he was doing good by persecuting uh, by persecuting uh, God's people, amen. But for example, I I I, I know you, uh, you probably already heard a lot of testimonies, right? Like this. Uh, but there was this testimony I saw on YouTube about this guy that uh, he was uh, in. Uh, he used to be a uh, a devil worshiper, right? And he was telling in, in, this, in this testimony about like all the, like the bad stuff that he would do, right? And looking like looking at the, at the comment section of, of that video, you know, they weren't uh, how would I say this? Like they weren't very uh, like how would I say this? cool about it you know like they were like oh if you if you really did this you should be in jail or or like yeah you should yeah you should be in jail you know you should receive a punishment for this so so my question to you you know and this may have a different you know i may get different answers from different people right but for example if you uh committed a crime right for example let's say someone that killed someone and he, they never found out about it, you know. They they, they never uh, caught him, or if they did something bad, amen. And then later on, he actually uh, repents, you know, and he goes to God and asks for forgiveness. Should that person go and turn himself in? That's that's my question. I don't know if you want to answer that that question, brother Ulysses. If uh, you're still there, I don't, I don't know if uh, the, the camera is off. I don't know if <laughs> you're still there. Anyways, while, while you come back, I'm going uh, to keep talking. Uh, yeah, so I was looking at this testimony. And I don't know, my point of view, I it's, it's hard to say. It's, it's really hard to say. You know... Uh, he just left the the video, <laughs> the uh, the meeting. Amen. Alright, so now you're back. Alright, he's back. Uh, I don't know if you heard my question. Uh, do you want to do you want to say it again, or did you did you actually hear my question? So the question was like, so I was talking about you know this this guy was there was this testimony right, and he he was a devil worshiper and he did he did bad things you know, in in the past, and the comment section they they weren't really. Uh, passive you know about it they weren't like they were really mean about it you know and they were saying like if you, if you really did this you know you, you should go to jail you should be paying like the price of of, of your of your actions right the punishment and my question is like for example a, a criminal right or someone that you know uh 
they did a crime, let's say do a fraud or, or, or do or kill someone or or or, or even no rape, which is I know this is, this is a delicate topic. This is, this is a delicate topic, amen. And probably by by including the last one, it's, it's going to be a, a more harsh uh, <laughs> response, you know. Uh, what if they did a crime, you know, and later they come to Christ and they repent? Should they go and turn themselves in? That, that's that's one of my questions. And and I know it's hard. I know that this is, this is a hard uh, question, right? I don't know if you I don't know if you want to, if you want to answer it or not. If, I'm curious. What What do you think? Honestly, like as as a Christian, right, and I say really conservative person <laughs> uh obviously i have to say to, i have to side with the law you know and i would say talk to god about it you know and but <laughs> that's that's just like that that's just, that's the answer to avoid the answer you know to avoid the question now uh but i would believe you know i probably think that you should probably turn yourself in you know and because I mean, I guess you have to pay, you know, for your actions, you know, whether you did them uh, before meeting Christ or after, you should pay for your actions. And I, f I feel like uh, this this sheriff came by uh, actually uh, like two years ago, he came to a church and he was talking about how most churches actually hide some crimes, you know. And he said that if the government were to open cases on every single pastor, uh, that most of most of that most of the pastors will actually end up in jail because they cover up some crimes. Like for example, if if there's domestic abuse, you know, like if uh, 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 if somebody's husband, you know, hits her, and she comes to the pastor and says, "Hey, my husband just hit me," you know, some pastors would say, "Let's just pray." For God to change him, when in reality what you have to do is actually contact right the authorities and do the right thing. You know, go contact the authorities and and have him arrested or her arrested if it's the other way around. You know, if domestic abuse goes both ways. You know, even though we ignore the other. You know, <laughs> when it's a female, you know, hitting the 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 male partner, amen. But honestly, yeah, I, I side with the law, and I believe one hundred percent in the law, as long as the uh, as long as the law is approved by the Bible, you know, and as long as, as the law is, uh, you, you, you know, you know what I mean, like, like as long as you know, the law is in accordance with the Bible, I do believe that there should there should be a punishment, you know, and some people will say that's harsh, you know, and where's the love of God in in, in your response and this response, you know, I would say that honestly, uh. There's a difference, difference between love and and, and, and correction, you know, because also the Bible says that God corrects every single person that uh, that He loves, and we're getting to that that uh, one hour mark, you know, we're at fifty five minutes already, so I don't know if we have time for your answer or if we want to answer like real quick, or if we want to wait till uh, the next segment, or. Um. I'll just answer this and then we'll go into the next part when we come back. I would say that um, I think that there are pastors out there who cover up things or you know, maybe not intentionally, but they don't report.
things that they should. Um, and I would say that's actually probably I would I would point that to just lack of training. Um, I know that I'm not saying my church has it all together, but if the part of or the denomination we're a part of, pastors are trained like whenever you're told something like there's abuse or um, things like that, you have to automatically call the police. You have to. And actually, I have a friend of mine or a pastor that I know who told me once about how he had to call the police on his youth pastor's son because it came out through like just talking to like the young people and stuff that um, the youth pastor's son, who was over 18, had slept with one of the teen girls um, who was younger than 18. And that is just not allowed, you know, so he had to call the police. And I mean, he was, he's, and he, even to this day, that whole family, the youth pastor, his son, and the senior pastor, they're all still friends. The youth pastor actually went on to become a senior pastor in a different church um, uh, and everything. So they, they all still, they're all still uh, working together, but it's just what we have to do. So we have to be careful. It's true. I don't think we can chalk everything up to like, oh, let's pray about it. Sometimes action needs to be taken. Yeah. So, yeah, I will say that, yeah, you uh, probably turn yourself in. I'm sorry. Yeah. Last thing. I think that somebody who's committed a crime should turn themselves in. Yeah, turn yourself in. Yeah, that, that's, that's my answer too, you know. Uh, yeah. So, I know it's pretty, it's pretty hard you know, to talk about it, you know, but, and it's very delicate, you know, it is. But, you know, yeah, I think that's the right thing, you know. You, you need to pay for your crimes, you know, uh, whichever crime it was, you know. I believe highly in the, in the law, you know, and the, and the Constitution also, you know, and the laws of the state, you know, whichever state you live in. You know, as long as they are, they uh, are approved by, by, by the Bible, you know. And so we'll be right back. We're going to go to a little break and we'll finish with uh, the episode, you know, we'll finish uh, the rest of the, our, our notes. We'll have a, uh, a prayer and our, our challenge for uh, this week. Amen. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Our brother Lisa is going to take, take it from here. Amen. So coming back to the, the gospel and the good news, the question we have is who needs to hear the good news? I think first, we need to hear the good news. No matter how long we have been Christians or how long we have been in church, we, a lot of the times, are, don't have the like unshakable, unmovable peace that the gospel is supposed to give us. We are brought down by our failures and we are brought down by the idols that we still have in our lives and we let them push us and put us down. Um, and so we need to hear that our God reigns, that he has provided everything and that he has forgiven our sins. We need to understand this. When we as believers don't have peace, it is usually because our eyes are fixed on ourselves and on our performance, as if that's what's going to determine our destiny. So to fix this, we need to shift our eyes, move our eyes from ourselves to our God. We have to focus on our God and what he has already done to wash us of our sin. So Isaiah had the same problem. And Isaiah, 
uh, when we first when he first saw God in Isaiah chapter six, he knew that he was in trouble because he knew he was a sinful man with unclean lips. Is what he says, and he wondered how could somebody like me survive this encounter with the holy and perfect God? So what did God do? He sent an angel to touch his lips with a burning coal. And do you know what this did? This burning coal touching his lips, it cleansed him, it washed him of his sin, of his iniquity. So we see how interconnected the Bible is and how it's always pointing to Jesus. The coal that touched his lips and gave him peace came from what? It came from an altar. That altar, remember in ancient times, the Old Testament, the altar was a place of sacrifice, a bloody place, an ugly place. It was a place of sacrifice. So God was already pointing forward to the peace to come from the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. So the prophet had now personally experienced the written and hope he was called to declare to others because he had this personal experience with God. When God asked, who will I send? Who will go for us? Isaiah already knew the answer because he had this encounter with God. He was prepared to put up and go through the hard ministry of declaring the news of God's reign to people who would never listen. When you have a real encounter with God, you are willing to do that. You are willing to do it all. The gospel of Jesus uh, and the gospel of peace gives us the courage and the ability to declare the good news, even when we have faced, even when we face difficulties and we face challenges in our lives. We go through it because God has made us his children, because he loves us, because he has prepared a future for us where there is no more death. We have a future to look forward to where there's no more pain, no more frustration, no more loneliness, no more anxiety, no more depression, no more tears. The current battle we find ourselves in is not forever. Our success and our failures do not define us. This fight is going to end, and the time will come where we will be able to take off these boots made for battle. So the gospel of peace gives us the ability to rest. Even when we fail in sharing the good news, right? Like, I want us to really understand that. The gospel of peace, it gives us the rest, the ability to rest even when we fail to share the good news. Because I think if we're honest with ourselves, most of us are not great evangelists, right? If we think about this last week, think about the last seven days, whenever it is that you're listening to this, did you share Jesus with anyone? Did you ever talk about Jesus with anyone? Did you ever even come close to talking about Jesus with somebody? We forget about the gospel of peace almost on a daily basis. And a lot of us are afraid of the idea of having to tell people about Jesus. And what this does is it then causes us to feel guilty because we don't have the passion to evangelize and to talk about Jesus. And when this happens, we usually fall into two groups. There are those who are afraid that God is disappointed in them because they don't spend every moment proclaiming the gospel. And these are people who are like, we call them spiritual workaholics. Their fear is what drives them to harass everyone with the, with the name of Jesus. And they just to have to say Jesus all the time. And then you have the second group 
who gives up altogether. And I think a lot of us fall into that group. Uh, we just kind of give up altogether and we convince ourselves that evangelism is just too hard and it's only meant for the pastors and the church leaders they need to evangelize. So even though the gospel of peace stirs up our hearts to make us want to share the good news, it also gives us peace in the times when we are unable or we are unwilling to share the gospel. It reminds us that our God reigns in evangelism just like he reigns in everything else. So no one is going to be eternally lost because you or I fail. God doesn't give us that power. God created the universe out of nothing. He has raised, he raises, <clears throat> excuse me, he raises parts with a snap of his fingers. He isn't up in heaven holding his breath, watching us, waiting in suspense to see whether or not you, are, you and I will share the gospel of good news as if like his plan for the world is dependent all on us, right? Jesus is still the primary messenger of the good news. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded. When we read this, when we read the Great Commission, right, we sometimes forget about the last sentence that says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus is with us through the Holy Spirit. You have to get that. Jesus is with us through the Holy Spirit. He is the one who opens our mouth to speak. He is the one who prepares the ears to hear. He is the one who softens the hearts to receive his truth. He is the one who is bringing the good news to the lost. We are simply vessels that he is using for that purpose. And on the last day, every one of his children will be accounted for. It's not dependent on us. Um, I would wrap up today with saying this, that Jesus faithfully and persistently spoke the good news of peace to his disciples, and they never completely understood what he was talking about. He always shared it with the Jewish audience, and they never received it. They didn't always receive it. Jesus was never discouraged by what, uh, Jesus was never discouraged that people rejected his message. His ultimate desire was to do God's will, not to get people to believe in him. He set his eyes on the goal, and by doing that, he became the goal that he, we now set our eyes on. So think about that. Was there ever anyone more at peace than Jesus, right? No one has ever had more to do than the Son of God. He had to preach the gospel. He had to heal the sick. He had to train the disciples. He had to save the world. And in the middle of all that busyness, he was at peace. He had time for people. He made time for life, and most important, he made time for God. So Jesus wasn't constantly trying to earn God's favor, right? And when we compare our lives that we live constantly busy, constantly in a hurry, Jesus shows us a life that is lived by God's pace. He's never lazy, never idle, but he's never in a hurry either. He calmly shared the good news to everyone, and he, he calmly did that with anybody who crossed his path. He did that for us because now we have peace with God. We now have a message of good news for other people to hear and to share with those around us. Do you have anything to add, Ruben? Oh, yeah. I mean, yes, for the gospel. Amen. Uh, talking about here about uh, he's the one who opens our mouth to speak. He's the one who 
prepares our ears to hear, right? And this reminds me a lot of uh, Mo of Moses when he uh, saw that uh, bush and fire, right? And it was God talking to him, and his response to uh, to not go to Egypt, right? He was like, "I, I cannot speak." You know, I, I stutter a lot, you know, which I, I mean, I dare to say that it was a lie. I, I, I'm, <laughs> some, some people say that he did, that, he, that it was true that he, that he stuttered. Uh, but I do believe, he, I do believe he, that he was lying because, come on, he was a prince of Egypt. He, he was, he was, he had a good school, right? Good teachers, amen. So, so how could he be someone that was not good? A talking someone that, that stuttered how could he how's it possible if he had the best education in, in whole Egypt amen so yeah he was obviously lying but you know there are some people that, that aren't very confident you know uh, uh, about you know preaching or, or uh, talking about God you know because they're like what do I say and here's one thing that I do have like a little bit I'm like why do people have a script, you know, to preach? Cause like <laughs> when I preach, you know, when I was little, I didn't even, I didn't even, I didn't even have a script either when I when I, when I was little. The only thing, cause I would I would bring a paper, right? But the only thing I would have in my piece of paper were the Bible verses to read. You know, just that was that, that, that was the only thing that I had that I had in my, in my, paper, in my paper, the Bible verses that I was gonna read to not forget the verses, you know. You know, nowadays I don't have a paper now. I don't have a paper too. I have it all in my head. You know, thank God to thank. Uh, I think the Lord for giving me a a good brain. You know, <laughs> to memorize. Uh, but yeah, you know, uh, uh, just let the Holy Spirit talk through you. You know, let God do the talking for you. You know, when you talk, when you speak, when you talk to someone about God. You know. Yeah, let God talk through you. Honestly, you know, when you preach, either in the pulpit, you know, uh, pray to God before you preach. That's, that's the importance of prayer, you know. You pray for Him to talk for you and not just you be talking. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah, because when we talk, you know, we're, we mess it up, you know. We do. We do mess it up, you know. And there's something there are sometimes when 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 God stops talking, but we keep talking for some reason. We 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 <laughs> we keep talking, even though God has already done talking, you know. And and, and sometimes it ruins the whole message, you know. So just just be encouraged, you know. Just spread the gospel, you know. Wear these uh, boots of the gospel, right? The gospel boots, you know. Put on the 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 Air Jordans, you know boots of the gospel amen and that that's that's my uh that's my advice to you guys you know uh i don't know if our brother lisa has anything to say and then we're gonna pray and then our challenge i think we'll just we'll do the prayer and then i'll give you guys uh, my challenge for this week so let's pray father we thank you for allowing us to to be able to reach people in this way and god i pray that each one of us that has listened that you would just lift us up and encourage us to to teach us and show us that we are loved and called for a purpose that your holy spirit would empower us and lead us to the lost to be able to speak life 
and to those around us, that we can be the salt and light of this earth and this world, like we are called as your children. In the name of Jesus, amen. And I would say, as we was talking to Ruben, I think that a good challenge for us throughout this next week would be to, every morning our prayer should be for God to lead us to somebody who needs to hear about Jesus. And between the moment we wake up and pray and the moment we encounter them, ask God to prepare our hearts and minds to be able to speak to them about Jesus. And that's what I would encourage you to do. Share Jesus with somebody this week. Make a real effort to actually talk about him to someone. And thank you, of course, for listening. Amen. Yeah, thank you for uh, listening, for tuning into the podcast. If you're still here, you know, <laughs> if you haven't left after like one minute of me talking, you know, uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Uh, stay tuned. Next Sunday, we're going to have the part five of this armor of God, you know, so stay stay tuned, you know, uh, these are pretty good messages, which I do believe they're good, <laughs> they're good messages. Amen. Not because I'm, I'm the host, you know, but yeah. There are some good messages that uh, you don't want to miss out on, you know, and to be fed the Word of God, you know. Don't forget to pray and read your Bible and also fast, amen. We, we sometimes forget about that, you know. We forget about fasting, you know. We need to fast. It's, it's, it's something good. You know, I, I know uh, our parents make good food if, uh, if they make good food, you know, and... It's hard to fast sometimes, you know, but just fast, amen? Just go and fast, you know, pray and read the Bible, you know, as like always. My name is Ruben, and this is The Way to Heaven. God bless.